Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Michael Amade Show, episode 441. Drink to me only with thine eyes. As the second century of the AD era turned into the third century, there was a Greek writer who lived in Rome, whose name was Flavius Philostratus, or otherwise known as Philostratus or the Athenian. And he wrote some incredible things that really influenced our culture and our knowledge of that time. Now, he wrote several significant pieces. One was called Gymnasticos, it's a treatise dealing with athletic training. Erokos, which means hero, and it's a dialogue on the significance of various heroes in the Trojan War, like Achilles and Hector and Patroclus. And then he also wrote things called like the lives of the sophists, which really deal with uh, some of the philosophies and the strategies that are kind of going around at the time. He sat in an inner circle with Empress Julia Domna, which uh, kind of put him in the highest echelon of thought and of influence at the time. But there's one piece of writing that we're going to talk about. He put out a collection of erotic epistles that were very full of, you know, the philosophy of the time. But there's one specific letter, letter 33, that we're going to talk about today. Laid to rest in Westminster Abbey with one of the coolest epitaphs I've ever seen, says, Oh, rare Ben Jonson, which I love. He is one of the major dramatists and poets of the 17th century. Now, he took Philostratus's letter, 33, and almost did a direct translation, although he did some tweaking. It was the letter that most reflected courtly love in this kind of festival of erotic and lustful work from Philostratus. He pulled the courtly piece out and he decided to use it and he called it Song to Celia. And Ben Jonson's version goes like this. Drink to me only with thine eyes and I will pledge with mine or leave a kiss within the cup and I'll not ask for wine. The thirst that from the soul doth rise, doth ask a drink divine. But might I of Jove's nectar sup, I would not change for thine. I sent thee late a rosy wreath, not so much honoring thee, as giving it a hope that there it could not withered be. But thou thereon didst only breathe, and sent it back to me, since when it grows and smells I swear not of itself, but thee. And the thing I love about this poem is it's really about kind of hidden, kept down intentions, which of course was a big piece of courtly love at the time. But if we think about the lines, drink to me only with thine eyes and I will pledge with mine. We're talking about a secret communication looks between two people as they drink, possibly in a gathering, right? Or leave a kiss within the cup and I'll not ask for wine, saying that her kiss is enough sustenance to be able to live or that he would become drunk by her kiss. The thirst that from the soul doth rise, doth ask a drink divine, asking for something divine. This is the thirst I have is for something divine, not something earthly. But might I of Joe's nectar sup, I would not change for thine. This is an interesting line, and there's been some contention as to what this means. Some people believe that he's saying um, if he was able to receive Joe's nectar. By the way, Jove is another name, of course, at the time for the... Greek god, first Zeus, or the Roman god, Jupiter, right? Jove is another name. So the nectar of the gods, essentially, 
might I of Jove's nectar sup, I would not change for thine. Some people think he's saying that he would not give up her kiss for the nectar of the gods, which is a very romantic and uh, hyperbolic statement. However, Ben Jonson kind of didn't like to engage in that kind of thing. So a lot of scholars have been thinking, well, maybe what he's doing here is he's saying, uh, you know, if I was offered this, I would not change for your kiss. I would take the nectar of the gods. There's some debate there, but I think it's an interesting thing. It kind of changes the tilt of the piece in itself. The next part is interesting. I sent thee late a rosy wreath, not so much honoring thee as giving it a hope that there it could not withered be. So he sent a wreath, which was a common thing during the Roman times, right? And they sent a wreath that has flowers on it and, and delicate things. Um, and not so much sending in honor to her, but as giving it a hope, the wreath a hope, that there it could not be withered because she, her presence was enough to sustain it and have it grow. This is attributing the divine to the character that he's singing to, Celia in this case. And we don't actually know who Celia was, but um, it could have been an imaginary character as well. And then the, it continues, but thou thereon didst only breathe. So you just breathe over it and sense it back to me. Sense when it grows and smells, I swear, not of itself, but thee. So essentially he sent her this wreath and she sent it back. Now he's saying, because you breathed on it, simply because you saw it and breathed on it, it is growing and is sustained on its own. Once again, attributing the divine to Celia. Now, this is seen as a romantic poem, but I think we could go a little bit deeper in this. I think if we look at human relationships, we also can be very much aware that when someone puts us on a pedestal, um, it can be a very, very steep fall, and it can be actually a very unattractive thing. If you look at these lines, it's not exactly sure that the object of his affections returns his affection at all. He could be imagining that she's drinking to him only with her eyes. And he could be kind of thinking all of these things, imagining this. And then he sends her a wreath and she just sends it back to him. But yet he thinks, oh, this is this is a sign. It's it's a it's back. She's you know, this this divine energy of hers is in this wreath now. Which is something that we've seen a lot of people do when they become obsessed with someone and they start building up this gigantic story around them. I think it's very interesting. But the thing I want to end with in this episode is I want to tell you about how this became a song. So a while back, about 1790, this composer, John Wall Calcott, put a melody to it. And this is the most famous melody. In fact, you can hear this very commonly from Johnny Cash, who said it was the first song he remembered singing when he was 17 years old in his gym. And he used to sing it to himself. And he actually made a recording and spoke about it. But he never even knew really where it came from. He thought it must be Elizabethan, but he didn't know. Or at least he pretended he didn't. But this song is known now, not as song to Celia, but as its first line, Drink to me only with thine eyes. And... I was sitting here performing it this morning, just singing it, um, as I do often in the morning, just singing songs and playing on guitar. And I figured I would record it and play it for you. And so you'll be able to hear this. So this is Drink to Me Only With Thine Eyes, music by John Wall Calcutt, the lyrics by Ben Johnson, who of course was translating and kind of retweaking Philostratus's writing from letter 33 of his erotic epistles or love letters. 
Hope you enjoy. Drink to me only with thine eyes, and I will pledge with mine. Or leave a kiss within the cup, and I'll not ask for wine. The thirst that from the soul doth rise. Doth ask a drink divine But might I of Jove's nectar sip I would not change for thine I simply let a rosy wreath not so much honoring thee As giving it a hope that there It could not rather be But thou thereon it only breathe And send it back to me Since when it grows and smells I swear not of itself but thee Drink to me only with thine eyes And I will pledge with mine Or leave a kiss inside the cup And I'll not ask for wine the thirst that from the soul doth rise The sands could drink divine But might I of Jove's nectar see I would not change for thine All right, everyone, I hope that you enjoyed that. I enjoyed putting that together for you. Kind of a random thing on a Saturday morning. If you want to send me a message, you can. MichaelAmity.com. Just put it in the contact form. It's an easy way to get me. If you find yourself being creative with poetry, lyrics, or short fiction, or just want to be part of a great community of poets and creative people, Listen to my radio show, World Poetry Open Mic. We broadcast every Friday at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You can find us at worldpoetryopenmic.net. But until next time for this podcast, which will be tomorrow, keep living authentically and keep living creatively. <laughs>